the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 120, and our guest is the great singer-songwriter Hayes Carl. Over his 20-year recording career, Hayes has been nominated for a Grammy, written with the likes of Ray Wiley Hubbard and Guy Clark, and earned the almost universal respect of peers, critics, and fans. We caught up with Hayes at Bach Tower Gardens in Lake Wales, Florida, where he was playing the Concert Under the Stars series. Y'all, Hayes is a dream guest, and he did not disappoint. It is my great pleasure to bring you my conversation with Hayes Carl. When I hear a country song in white, stop in time, be my superpower. And who says happy only gets to last tonight? Um, dude, this is such an honor. I'm so grateful for your time. I've been a fan. I, it's, it's interesting. I interviewed Corey Brandon last night. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And I was so I was doing research for that conversation around and this this whole week as well as getting ready to talk to you and. In that process, I recognized like both of y'all's debut records came out in 2002. Huh. So, it's, which is crazy for me, just because I, you know, I've been a fan for pretty much that whole time of both of yours, and it was wild to me to think about how long that's been and how much your music has been a part of my life. Like how, sort of, as I'm going through adulthood, as I'm sort of like becoming a grown ass man, mm-hmm. how like that music was a soundtrack to that. And then it reminded me of, I got to, I had the great honor of interviewing Todd Snyder about two years ago. Uh-huh. And I asked Todd, I was like, you know, you're revered by folks in terms of songwriters. Like people look to you as someone who is so, who is special at what you do and somebody who, you know, has done these amazing things. And I was like, do you think of yourself as kind of like a, you know, as a mentor or whatever. And, you know, he was very um, humble about it. And he was right. sort of like, no, not really. I was like, but there's got to be folks that like came along, you know, that you feel like you sort of were a part of their careers or whatever. And, and your name came up just like he didn't, he wasn't trying to give any credit for your career or anything like that. But he said that he just remembered when you first got to Nashville and you were playing songs, how there was a buzz about what you were doing and how, uh, and he kind of lit up when he was talking about it. He was excited to talk about you and your songwriting. And so I wonder if we could like start by going way, way back. Sure. If you remember, you know, that time and like what it felt like arriving in Nashville and folks like a Todd Snyder or a Guy Clark paying attention to your songs. Yeah. <clears throat> I do remember it. <laughs> and like you, 20 years feels like a long time. Right. Uh, when, I look, say all this. when I look back at it. Um, but I remember very, very vividly. I remember meeting Todd. I remember the show we did. I, I, um, uh, yeah, so I let me, I guess, backtrack a little bit. I, I was started out playing just little beach bars um, in Texas. And... And then got around Houston and certain people like Ray Wiley Hubbard and uh, Sisters Morales started taking me out and let me open for him, which really just changed everything for me because 
I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, you know, I just, I kind of thought it was like you're either on MTV or CMT <clears throat> or you weren't. I didn't know there was this whole middle ground of people that can go out and make a living and be respected artists and, and, and even though they're not household names. Mm. And so these people started taking me out and letting me get in front of their crowds. And, and eventually I made a record and I booked my first out of state tour 20 years ago uh, last month. Wow. It was October of 2022. I mean, 20. 2002. 2002. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, I did a two month tour with a guy named Mondo Signs. Yeah. Who's now, he's a singer songwriter, so but he's a staff writer at, at uh, Carnival Music and great songwriter and singer. And um, the two of us went out. And I think on that trip, or shortly thereafter, was the first. Um, time I met Todd, I, I went and did some kind of new faces night at a club called the Exit Inn. And I remember mm -hmm. going out in the parking lot after, uh, after the show or in between the show and Todd was out there barefoot in this, you know, <laughs> dirty parking lot. And, <laughs> and, um, uh, and Jack Ingram had, mm. had, they were their buddies and, and Jack had told him he should come check me out. And he did much to his credit and my delight. And um, uh, and it was it was heady times for me. I was really it was that that beginning of when things are just starting to ha happen, and you're getting just a little bit of taste, a little taste of the thing that you've been dreaming of. And uh, you know, I mean, I was drawing five people in my shows, so it's like right. it, it it there was no certainty that any of it was going to lead to a career. But I was starting to take the first steps down the road that so many of my heroes had taken and, and, and was starting to get to meet people, that, if not them directly. I met the guy who played guitar with somebody or, or the tour manager with somebody or the third ex-wife of somebody. And for <laughs> me, it was all just, I was so excited just to have any proximity and connection to the people who had made this music that was so important to me. Yeah. And uh, so that was really exciting exciting times early on to meet people who had careers like of any kind you didn't even have to be like a big star or a big influence on me i just if you if you made a living in the music business i was impressed and and wanted to 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 find out what was going on and how you got there because i was trying to figure it out yeah desperately the way that sort of the way that todd talked about you know that him discovering your music and, and getting to know you, it was like he knew you had something special. Mm. And I wonder if you had a sense that, like you're making these connections, you're getting to know people. Did you have a sense that maybe you had, not only that you could make a living, but like maybe you had something other people didn't or something special about the way you write? Well, <laughs> I mean, it's it's that, I don't know what the term for it is, but, I think it's pretty common in this line of work and probably just in the world in general is is having a that combination of an outsized ego with crippling insecurity. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, sure. So like I think for a lot of people to do this, to put yourself out there, to chase this thing, you have to have some part of you that says it's worth it. You know, that there is some reason to be here. And um and I had that part for sure. Like there was a part of me that, well, it started with, I just wanted to be in proximity to the thing that brought me so much joy and meaning, mm. which was music. Those people <clears throat> articulated my emotional state. They helped me get, find an identity. They, they were my therapists. They were my friends. Um, and, you know, they put words to feelings that I didn't know how to, I didn't have the language or ability to, to put words to, uh, at that time in my life. And, and that's part of what's so great about music and songwriting is, is people can articulate what you're feeling. And, 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 um, so I just, as a fan was drawn to it and thought anything I can do to be in that world with those people, with the, the Willie Nelsons and the Jimmy Buffetts and the, Merle Haggard's and and Bob Dylan's and Todd Snyder's and uh, that 
like if I could just be around that magic in any capacity, you know, I'll sell t-shirts. I'll, 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 uh, you know, do whatever. It doesn't have to be about me. I just wanted to be around it. Then I was, I was excited about that. So that kind of pushed me in towards doing music. And then I, yeah, I mean, I had some idea that I, that, you know, as a kid, like I would make up songs and my teacher, my first grade teacher used to take five minutes at the beginning of class and let me get on a box and, and entertain the class. And, and, uh, you know, she said I was going to be on the tonight show one day. She told my parents and then, you know, 20 years later when I was on the tonight show, it was really cool to come back and say, Hey, you, you, um, but I think I had some kind of, you know, showman, some kind of, uh, you know, some ability to, to just make up songs and, 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 you know, they weren't necessarily good. Sure. But I got great joy out of it, and I seemed to have some aptitude. Uh, and so I started writing. You know, I was looking for that feedback, and that's why it was so important. I mean, early on, uh, I did not have any faith that I was actually any good. I just really wanted to be good. Yeah. And I knew the people that were good, and so I tried to model what I did after them. But it was probably a bad ripoff, um, you know, a, a facsimile of... of of those people of Lyle Lovett or of Towns or of John Prine. Um, but, um, you mean like some of your, fr- like, like your like flowers and liquor that the stuff that's on that was a ripoff. You well, think or like earlier songs, you mean, I mean, cause I'm gonna challenge you on that. If that's well, I think a lot of it. I mean, even to this day, I mean, I just got out of the studio, I spent all week with the band oh, cool. in the studio, just kind of working up ideas and, you know, almost everything I have, it's rare when I pull something and I go, okay, I can't locate where I got this idea from, you know? Yeah. It's most okay. stuff. It's like, okay, I'm doing, this is Nashville Skyline Dylan, or this is Subterranean Homesick Dylan, or, yeah. you know, whatever, or this is Willie Redhead Stranger. It's yeah. like, it's yeah, yeah. pretty easy for me to locate those things because, you know, the, there's, I have my limitations and I have my influences. And so I, I leaned on them. It just took a long time when I was starting out just doing cover songs to like find my own voice. Yeah. Everything I was like, well, do I sing like Lyle? Do I sing like Towns? Do I sing like whatever? Right. And so anyway, as those people, as I started to meet people in the business and, and, and they, they are who did this for a living and they would throw me a compliment or let me open for them. It was just such a huge thing. Cause I was so insecure about, am I any good? Am I just a hack? Sure. And when people that I respected said, all right, kid, you got something. You know, it was Ray Wiley Hubbard or Guy Clark or Todd or whoever just to say, uh, it didn't have to be like a full compliment. (laughs) It was just, if they just didn't run me off. I don't think Guy gave full compliments, did he? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. I don't think anybody Um, got that. (laughs) Uh, but you know, but we finished a song and, and after throwing out 10 lines that he didn't like, uh, speaking of Guy, uh, you know, I finally threw out a line. He said, all right, kid, I can work with that. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to take that as a victory that I have one line that Guy Clark d- decided is worthy of his time. Do you remember he's the gonna line? With, yeah. It was, uh, I've got no rings upon my fingers, no ink upon my skin. It originally was ink upon my skin. I'll be as clean going out as I was coming in. And he said, you should change it to beneath. I got no rings upon my fingers, no ink beneath my skin. It's the tattoo. It's under the yeah, and uh, oh, shit. and and that's that was the start of the song. So yeah, um, but it was I was remember getting really stressed because I I was throwing out I, I'd never co-written before. My, yeah, he was like one of my first co-writes was with Guy Clark, and <laughs> and um, what an education. Yeah, and I was high. He got me really stoned, and and I'm <laughs> like I love weed, but I I don't handle it particularly well. You know. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I was I was freaking out a little bit, and I kept throwing out ideas. He was like, "What else you got?" Was, like, was it oh. just the two of you? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit! Was this like in his famous? Uh, yeah, his work, basement. Yeah, yeah. Workshop. Yeah. Dude, that's amazing. Um, okay, so that's a hell of an endorsement, but still, it sounds like you were were kind of wrestling with an imposter syndrome. Yeah, totally. Was there a moment that you kind of, once you got enough of that, that feedback, that you kind of went, "All right, I am good at this." You know, I think it's still the same thing. Okay. I mean, just I, I'm more, way more comfortable after 20 years sure. and a certain level of, you know, I've made eight records and, and like, I'm, I don't feel like an imposter, but I also don't, um, 
I don't know. It's hard to see yourself yeah. for what you are, how other people see you, you know? So I just, every once in a while, it's someone will come and tell me, and, and lately it's been happening where like young guys come up to me and tell me that I influenced them, which is really funny and surreal because it feels like yesterday I was the guy going up to Todd Snyder and saying, dude, you're incredible. And yeah. I just, you like influenced everything I did. And, and, um, and, and now to have people come up and say that to me, I'm like, huh, like, when did that happen? <laughs> Cause I've just been trying to rhyme some <laughs> shit for a while. Yeah. And like somehow along the way, like, I guess it, you know, some people heard it and it meant something to some of them. Um, so anyway, I, th- I think I still, like, I feel like I'm, I'm, I've made my living at this for 20 years. So I, I know that I'm, I'm not terrible. Right. And I think I can, every once in a while I get excited about something that I do and, and think, okay, that's, that's worthy. And that's, uh, I, I'm, you know, if I, I'm, I'm proud that that's out in the world and, and, uh, um, you know, I, I, I I'm not as insecure as I, I was about it. About it when I was young. You know, that's so interesting. And I, I think maybe that, I wonder if that helps kind of keep you hungry too, right? The fact that like, it's it's sort of one of those, cr- I mean, art in general, but songwriting, I would say, you're just not going to master it, right? So like, you can get really, really good, but you're, you're I mean, John Prine may have made his best record. His last record may have been his best record. Mm-hmm. You know, in my opinion, it's it's up there among the best that he made. Yeah. And his first record might have been his best record. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. <laughs> That's John right, Prine. Though. Right, yeah, no, yeah. I'm, and again, I'm not trying to, I'm not, <laughs> never try to compare my guests to Prine. But, um, but the point being that you're constantly getting better at the craft. You're constantly getting better at the work. And I think your most recent record is your best. And I've just listened to, I've just devoured your whole catalog again, you know, for the umpteenth time. And, uh, I think it's your best so far. Well, thank you. Yeah, for sure. You're you're welcome, and, and I'm grateful for it, man. I, I probably have had, listened to it more than, you know, just about any other record last year, um, save maybe Allison Russell's Outside Child. But yeah, um, other than yeah. that, you, you you came in second. <laughs> I was just listening to her right before our conversation started, and um, I have this feeling. Uh, this maybe sound weird, but. Every once in a while, I see an act, a, a, a performer, an artist, and I'll think, I wish there was like a, like that was a stock <laughs> that you could invest in because you know, it's it's going to be a success, yeah. you know, and 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 um, uh, so I mean the only way I do that is I just become a fan and try and support them. But but Allison was like that. Shovels and Rope was like that mm. for me. Like you just see somebody and you go, they are so good that there's just no way that that's not going to be a thing yeah. that, that people are going to appreciate on some level. And, and uh, I, I, I'd known Allison just a little bit at the, uh, the Birds of Chicago. Mm. But I went and saw her perform before Outside Child came out. And, but she was doing all those songs off of it. And I thought, this is a whole different deal. And, and uh, it was incredible. So it's been fun to watch the ride. I've never gotten to see her live. I, I did get to interview her last year. I got to interview her while she learned of her Grammy nominations, mm-hmm. like it happened, uh, like I, I saw that. Yeah, that was me. Okay, yeah, 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 um, yeah. It was incredible, and like, and we had to postpone three times. It just yeah. like fate intervened, and I got to interview her in that moment. It was so magical. That's very cool. Yeah, but she's playing that Orange Blossom review that you played last year here in Lake Wales. Oh yeah, that's what you played. Yeah. yeah, which was a great set, by the way. That was my first time seeing you live. Um, and I was just struck by how great your band was, how how great you are on stage, like how tight the whole set was. It was awesome. Well, thank you. I, I'm curious, kind of g- going back to your first co-write is Guy Clark, which is kind of comical even, like to think about how incredible that is. But you've co like co-writing is a thing for you. Um, yeah. Your whole latest record is with other people, and I've heard this through line in our conversation so far. That feels like relationships are something that are incredibly important to you, at, at least as it applies to creativity. And I wonder if, you know, we could kind of like walk through the, the record just briefly sure. and talk about a few of the folks that you co-wrote with yeah. and sort of like what it was like to work with those folks. Okay. So like um, kind of relatively new to me, I mean, maybe the most powerful song on the on a record full of powerful songs, help me remember, mm-hmm. relatively new to me is Josh Morningstar. Um, maybe the last year and a half I've been aware of who Josh was and, and what an uh, incredible writer Josh is. 
what does that process look like with the two of you when you're sitting down to write? Yeah, uh, I didn't know Josh before we got together. I was co-writing come out a bunch of different ways. Sometimes you know they're friends or friends of friends or just people artists you like or respect or, or sometimes you just get put together by a publisher or you know third party and and um, um, so I was aware of some of his songs, um, but I, I didn't know him personally. And, and uh, so he came over to the house. He brought me a, a book, which I thought was really cool to bring a gift to a co-write. And yeah. uh, it was a book uh, written by Harold Eggers, I think his name was, who was Towns' tour manager. Ah. And um, so he knew I had an affinity for Towns and and, uh, uh, and this kind of rare book. And so it was, it was fun. And, and so I appreciated that. And we sat down and just talked and caught up a bit and and um and i just remember i had this idea for help me remember and and originally it was there were two options that we could take that i had in mind one was um i just really like that phrase help me remember and and one option was it's gonna be like a couple um going through some hard times mm -hmm. and and one of them asking the other one, remind me why we're here. Like, why, why should we fight for this marriage or, you know, with this relationship? I thought that could be an interesting song. But the other option and the one that we ended up taking uh, was somebody sort of losing the thread to their own story and, and, and struggling with dementia or Alzheimer's like my, my grandfather did before he passed. And, um, and that felt like a really powerful um topic to explore you know the idea of having witnesses to your life who can remind you of your uh, you know what you stood for and what you're about and and um uh so we just dug in there and and um you know w uh, everything is different every, every co-write is different in this case we had no lines we had no melody we had nothing just a title and an idea of what it would be about and so I think one of us just started finger picking. Uh, I think I went to drop D and just started doing this rolling finger picking thing. And he had a version he was doing and just started spitballing lines. You know, sometimes it's, it would be very weird for people to watch who don't write songs, yeah, but it's, yeah. it's just, and you're like, okay, here's a melody. And then next time, ding, down, down. And, and there's, maybe a rhyme shows up or a word shows up or an image and you, you just totally stream of conscious throwing stuff out and somebody will go, that was good. What was that? Was it a tree? Okay. Oak tree. All right. Is it an ancient Oak tree? You know, and then you just like, okay, there's a thing. And what is he doing? He's looking at it and what's happening. The leaves are falling and they're the same color as the fire that's burning. Okay. We've set a place. That's a great opening thing. And so we just go from there. And, um, he just stayed at the house most of the day, and, and we got a good chunk of it done. And uh, I think we did a Zoom co-write. We started it pre-pandemic, and then and then during the pandemic, we did a Zoom co-write. And I think he came over a third time. It took a long time to finish that song. Um, and I really, it was one of the, most of my life, I've spent very little time rewriting and editing. It was just not a thing I did. And, and... Um, to go back to Guy Clark, it was a very much a thing that he did, and and I just didn't have the patience or really understand the need. I was, um, uh, I I don't think I trusted my own own craft, and for good reason because I didn't really have much of one at that point. When I first started out, it was just instinct or inspiration or whatever. I didn't sit down and pound out a. a hammered down on a, a song and just work it and work it and work it and work it until it was as perfect as I could make it. It was just like, it rhymes, sounds kind of cool. Okay, let's go yeah, release yeah. it. And so, and guy was different. He would, he would really, the details mattered to him a great deal. And I remember, I'm sort of embarrassed to tell this, but maybe it'll be informative to somebody songwriter out there. But in that co-write with guy, I, I finished that song and I sent it to him. I finished it after we left at a separate time. And I sent it to him, my version of it. And he sent. He called me and he said, you need to change this to that and this to that and tweak this. And like these really minute details. 
And I remember thinking, it doesn't matter. And this is the, what's embarrassing is the ego to like Guy Clark is, has not only let me into his house to write a song with him, but he's now giving me feedback on how to make it better and what he would like to see done. And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. And I didn't make those changes and I was wrong. They were the right changes. I just, at the time I didn't see it. I didn't understand why it was important. And so for some reason during the pandemic, I started caring more about those details and and with that song i was like this could this is potentially really powerful this could be really good and i don't want to sell it short i don't want to have regrets about it and go you know a year later or 10 years later man i wish i'd tried harder or worked harder on that song because I, I left something on the table so i didn't I, I worked it and i worked it like hundreds of times and it took me months and just you know tiny trivial things but but by the end i thought okay, I can let this go. I've done everything I can possibly do and it has achieved, from my point of view, what I want it to achieve and so I can let it onto the world. Oh, that's incredible. What I'm so glad you shared that. What a great lesson. Because I think also, I, I hear what you're saying about, hey, this is Guy Clark making these suggestions and looking back on it, who were you to say that they weren't right? But at the same time, even though we have heroes like Guy or we might have mentors that we look up to, they're not always right. No, you know, and so that pushback is healthy. And sometimes you got to trust what you know is right. You know, it sounds like at the time you were just sort of like, well, I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not I'm not going to get into this at, at the moment, you know, but or yeah, is that just accurate? it's just I mean, I think it was. I just didn't see the importance of it. Mm -hmm. And which, again, it's I cringe when I hear myself say that, but right. it's just where I was at that point in my life. And, and it was I was very much of the Kerouac school of you know, the stream of conscious, do some drugs and just let the inspiration fall out. And I looked at Dylan as a big example of that, thinking that that's what he did, not realizing that he, he's still rewriting records he made 50 years ago. Yeah. And, and, and going back and doing it. And, and I just, a lot of my early heroes just had that thing where in my mind, it just came out and you just grabbed it, captured lightning in a bottle and that was it and and your whole job was just to walk around and, and be ready to get the lightning and and the inspiration and what i didn't realize is that's just a small part of it i mean it's an important part being inspired but but your craft and your ability to take that inspiration and turn it into something is wor what really separates i think the amateur from the professional and 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 um for years and still to this day i mean i have thousands of ideas and in my mind i'm like that's a hit that's an amazing song. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to go right now. I'm going to pick up my guitar, smoke this joint, sit down. I'm going to record myself make just making something up. And in my head, I can visualize where it's going to go, what it's going to be like, what the arrangement's going to be, the effect it's going to have on people. The, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm accepting my award at the Grammys, you know? Yeah. But it's really easy to get swept away in that for me and, and just think, okay, well, because I have this, little bit of inspiration i have the whole thing well i don't i have me mumbling a bunch of stuff over a three chord progression yeah it's just i i then i have to turn that thing i have to sit down and do the work to turn that thing into something and um i have just accepted that uh as i get older <laughs> that that's part of the job and and part of what being an artist is and and having some connection to your work and not just relying on drugs or some experience that you have that's heightened to, yeah. to get a good song because you don't need that and i don't need to be drunk right to write and i don't need to to be high to write i and you know i can uh after all these years of of working at it i i, I actually have some tools i can use and and uh so I, I try to remember that and and go back if just if something's not where i want it the first time doesn't mean give up on it, it means sit down and work harder at it and 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 maybe something will turn up. Man, that's so great. Yeah, I can't think of a single creative thing that I do better drunk. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't think I don't think it's definitely not a performance enhancer when it for me when it comes to basically anything. Yeah, but especially writing. Well, in my mind, it was because I was I always thought, you know, just inhibitions. I mean, just yeah. just like it helps yeah. me socially, or I thought it helped me socially. 
overcome that fear as a writer it would make me you know at two in the morning i would have some you know, taking a leak in the bathroom i would have some brilliant idea in my yeah. mind yeah it seemed that way anyway because i'm that that whatever is in my prefrontal cortex that keeps me from you know in my, it felt like it was blocking ideas is now demolished and all these things are coming out and i think oh that's interesting that's interesting yeah. and maybe some of it was but again you got to actually turn it into something and then then being drunk is really not uh helpful right when you're actually trying to right, work right right so what is the the sort of this renewed focus on editing and being more deliberate what does that look like in practice has that i mean it's obviously got to increase the amount of time you're spending writing i would think or is it yeah i mean it it when i sit down to write yeah Okay. Yeah, I mean it's it's just it's a pain in the ass really because <laughs> now I can't let stuff go like I used to. It was a lot easier care. when I could just put yeah, it out yeah. there, and now there's it just gnaws at me and like God damn it, I gotta go back and do this thing, and I know I'm gonna it's gonna take all week, and I'm just gonna do it over and over and over again. I'm gonna be so frustrated. I'm gonna lose my voice, blah blah blah. But that's just what I, for the most. I mean, and there's days where I write a song in an hour, and it's like that's just what it is. I don't need to do anything here. But those are rare, and and most times I just gotta gotta put the time in. But I it it's never a worse song for having done it. It doesn't mean I use ninety eight percent of what I've come up with. But I've gone through the exercise and exhausted the possibilities and and tried some different things and and just gotten better at the craft just by doing that. Yeah. You know? so even if that song isn't remarkably better, I, I, I'm, I have a little more skill built up through the experience there's a line in um uh oh i don't want to spend too much time trying to chase it down but the the lyric goes uh it says the strohs will win the season yeah if it was up to me if it was up to me yeah, yeah. right right the strohs will win the season and like the first couple times i heard that i was like why the fuck is he saying series and then of course the next it rhymes it with reason uh -huh. when you wrote that did it come out that way or is that an editing thing Oh, I don't know. I probably was, I probably, that was probably my first instinct was, I mean, in that song, I, I, I remember just thinking like, okay, what are things that I would make if I, if I was, if I was all powerful? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How would I make things? Okay. Well, I'd be rich. I'd be friends with all of my heroes. Yeah. And the Strohs would win the season or, you know, name yeah. your team. Sure, I'm a sure. Houston guy and, and die hard. Uh, Stroh's fans so um, and I, I figure you know I would do something too where it was like whatever it is anybody can insert it in my mind <laughs> this is after the fact I mean I, I wasn't thinking about when I wrote it but after the fact I was like everybody can play this song and insert their own team in that spot <laughs> right there in any sport it's a season you know whatever the Reds will so, win the season yeah yeah, yeah. okay it works yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I was just like oh I'm just gonna sit yeah. back and the Jags will win the season is too much of a stretch to be believable. Yeah, yeah, it's that's yeah, everything but the Jags. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so that just that just came out. It's like sometimes you know those associations come in your head and you think, okay, Stroh's season reason and those internal rhymes. And what I was saying about like, do I have aptitude at this? It, it's in things like that probably is is some of the, the rhyming, yeah, stuff and 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 mm. so. That's probably my strongest skill as a writer. Is I can come up with lots of rhymes, and then and then I'm, um, you know, trying to put some attach it to some emotion or tell some story with them. Right. Um, I want to be respectful of your time. We only got a few minutes left. What we well, use? And, and I just so just some? so you know, I, I'm uh, we can stretch it out a bit. Okay. I'm, I'm uh, I, I need to. Um, yeah. Brandy Clark. What's it like writing with Brandy Clark? Well, that was that was really cool for me to get to write Brandy. Um, I'd been a fan with hers. I, I I first got hip to her. Uh, we were nominated for a Grammy in the same category the same year, and so I had to go check out the competition. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it was for best country song or country song of the year, whatever whatever it is. And so I went and listened to her song, and it was called "Hold My Hand." I think now would be a real good time to hold my hand. And I remember seeing her performance of it on the Grammys with a. Uh, Dwight Yoakam. Oh wow! I thought, damn, that is a powerful song and a powerful performance. Yeah. And so I listened to her record, and I just loved the whole thing. Um, so uh, 
I was really excited about getting to write with her. And I had this idea. I'd had this idea for this song in the meantime. Um, two words, meantime. Uh, a play on words I thought was real clever in this sort of country tradition of, you know, on the other hand, or yeah. um, something like that. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize till after that Chris Knight has a song with the exact same title, In the Meantime. Huh. Um, but uh, but I like this idea of a, of a, of a a marriage that everything is great most of the time, but in the meantime, it, it just all goes to shit and falls apart and, and, and having this juxtaposition between, you know, that I think most people have, or a lot of people have of, you know, there's really good, but there's also some really hard times yeah. in between. It's just very few or just fairy tale across the board 24 seven. Um, and so this was another one that it took a couple times I really liked the idea so much that I wasn't gonna, I didn't wanna um, settle, and so I saved it for for getting to write with a great writer like mm. Brandy and and um, um, yeah, I don't remember a whole lot about it. the first time we met in a, st- a studio somewhere in Nashville and and worked on it and we got like a chorus together, and then the second time she came over to my house and I think we we um, knocked out a couple verses and. And then just spent some more time with it, and and then I went in the studio and changed a few things, and then asked her if she would come sing it with me um, mm-hmm. as a, as a duet, and um, and she she did, which I was very grateful for. So, um, but yeah, I I don't I don't really know what to say other than than she's amazing, and we spent a fair bit of time working on it and trying to trying to craft it, and and uh, ultimately. Uh, got it exactly where i wanted it to be yeah okay nice things is another one that really stands out to me on the record um it's just fun yeah. but also a lot to handle <laughs> you know it's like you have to stare down all of the shit you know but right. it's in a fun way i guess and um writing that with the osborne the brothers, brothers osborne, osborne yeah um what, what what's it like writing with those guys what was that process like Man, they're uh, another band that I'm just a big fan of, and we had gotten together and written over at their house uh, a previous song that ended up on their record called um, "Back on the Bottle," uh-huh. and um, and so we went over the second time, and I had this idea of nice things, but I thought it was going to be just like a wife telling her husband, you know, that kind of yeah, is why yeah. I can't have nice things, and he's yeah. he's screwing stuff up, and. Um, uh, uh, John and TJ both have um, like like John's just an amazing guitarist, uh-huh. and so um, he's he's always throwing out musical ideas and 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 uh, oh they both do they're, they're both great lyricists and and, and musicians. Um, but I think it was John who said well, they like that idea, but let's make it bigger. Let's let's zoom out and make it about the uh, the world. Like yeah. what what things can we talk about and. And then we thought, well, and who could talk about them? Like, who has the authority? I can't come down and tell the world how to live <laughs> or, right, you know, right. what what they're doing wrong. Who could? Well, God could. Yeah, yeah. And um, so God became our main character. And then we just went through some of the issues that we thought might be, that God might take issue with were God in human form. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, uh, so, you know, pollution, the Ill- illegality of drugs that grow naturally on the planet and, right. and and just the the overall divisiveness and judgment of of so many yeah um uh became the topics and 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 so we we wrote most of that together in, in one sitting and then and then i took it and did a lot of work on it um uh made god a female i thought that was more appropriate and and um uh, it makes more. Things. It makes so much sense. It would. I don't. I think it would feel like. Um, it would just feel different if God wasn't female. Like yeah. it just. It needs. It needed to be the case. It's funny to me because somebody we made a little video for it and I, I was looking at it one day and, and somebody left a comment that said they went through and changed all the pronouns the the she's to he, <laughs> and then they said there fixed it for you, and and like a lot of people are upset that I've made God a woman. It's just it's so. F- strange to me i'm like we live in a in a 
galaxy which is one of millions with billions of stars that are mostly yeah. bigger than our own sun with trillions of planets and for billions of years before there was even any human life at all and and a scope and size that's unimaginable we literally can't fathom how big this is and somebody's gonna get upset because the creator of all of that um who was not even you know wasn't even written language anyway blah blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh that i've labeled them as a as a woman rather than a man um but uh anyway it's just funny to me what people get hung up on yeah sometimes but. yeah well I, and i love that that song turns the lens back on that person like that person who made that video is got some shit they need to deal with yeah. right so you made them think about it at least right <laughs> well i don't know if i made them think about anything i think that's the problem these days we just get triggered and then react <laughs> on the offensive rather than sure. actually think about or question our own belief systems. And, yeah. and, and, uh, so that can be the frustrating part about society these days is we're all just trying to win and make our point and not listen to anybody else. So, um, myself probably included, but anyway, I'm not sure if that particular commenter got anything, uh, <laughs> revelatory out of my song or, or their reaction to it. I like to think that right now they're going like, yeah, maybe God should have been a she in that. It may song. be. You might be right. Yeah. <laughs> That's an optimistic way to yeah. look at internet trolls. Yeah. <laughs> they're all at home self reflecting on yeah. on their actions and yeah. questioning their judgment. That feller just he felt he felt moved to comment because he was going through this moment of self reflection. And uh, I I hope he's still I hope he's listening to this later in the future when this is released. And right. I hope he's going, You guys are right. <laughs> God needed to be a woman in that. Um, this that moment probably won't make the list of the question I'm about to ask you, which is like when you look back on 20 years of records and doing this for so long and making so many amazing albums and having these periods in your career. If we were making the documentary of your career, what are like two or three kind of scenes that got it that have to be included in that documentary? On the uh, well, the recording part, um, making my first record, just walk. I did it in Pertinalis, Willie Nelson's studio. Mm -hmm. um, so, just to be in the place where Willie made his records, making my first record, it's incredible. It felt like it was very, very special. It had to, to be me. validating. Yeah, it was. I mean, and it, you know, even though I knew it was it had nothing to do with my talent, I just paid for the studio. <laughs> but still, it made me feel like I was on the right track. Like yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm again in proximity to people who have done this, this thing, and yeah. so um, that's that's what I was chasing. So it was a big deal for me. Um, my second record, uh, my wife sang with me uh -huh. on it. She wasn't my wife for another uh, thirteen years, uh -huh. but. It was still cool for me, and and now to look back and have on tape the moment, the very first time we sang together, and not, having no idea for either one of us what was to come in the future, um, it, it's just really cool to me. It's really it, cool. It's really neat, and um, um, and then uh. You know, I did a record uh, called K-Mag Yo-Yo, and I had some, some uh, I had Cora Blund and Todd Snyder come and sing on a song, and uh, I I think of that moment just because they, they're two writers I really respect, mm -hmm. and, and they're both friends, um, but it was another one of those things that felt like if these people like me enough and respect me enough to come and sing on my record, um, you know, I, again, it was validation yeah. in, in a way. And, um, it made me feel proud to, to, um, for that to be a, uh, something that would happen that they would do. It struck yeah. me that record when I was going back through your catalog, it struck me that that record is like 11 years old now, something like that. Uh, it, yeah, probably. It, it doesn't feel like it came out that long ago, and it feels, 
it still feels so fresh as does a lot of your stuff. Your stuff is pretty timeless, but um, yeah, it kind of struck me that it was 11 years ago. Yeah, it flies. It really does. Um, it was a part of me where I can remember it very clearly and it doesn't seem like that long ago. And then it's part of me that's, it feels like a long time. It feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah. That was a very different place then too, in, in every way. And, and, and that also was a challenging time. I lost my voice. Uh, right after Trouble in Mind came out, the, the previous record, and it was really bad. Like, I couldn't sing. It was embarrassing. I shouldn't have been on the road. I just, mm. uh, but it's the only way I had to make a living. So I was going out, and so right at the peak of my, uh, of people, you know, knowing who I was, um, my talent was at its lowest. And, Interesting. And so it, was, it created a really weird thing because all of a sudden my crowds were two three four times bigger than they had been and my talent level was half of what it had been or worse it was embarrassing to sing so then when i went into the studio i that whole record i was trying to write songs that i could sing yeah so it's a lot of spoken word it's a lot of um a staying in a certain range Mm -hmm. and and um just trying to get through it and not sound terrible so so interesting um and in a fortunately able to get out of that but it took a long time how, how did you emotionally like how were you processing that do you remember because that's heavy man yeah i had a hard time i mean i was also dealing with some massive anxiety issues yeah. um I, I started having panic attacks a year or two before or maybe three or four years before but they lasted for a long time and that was just so crippling um it wasn't a thing i had known and then in my like early thirties I had one. And once you have it, then you know it can happen. Yep. And so now it's, it's just, it's ever present. And I got to the point where like, you know, you're up on stage. It's hard enough to be on stage and, and, and I've drank heavily to like mm-hmm. feel okay and, and not silly up there in front of those people. Um, and then you throw in anxiety and, and the, fear that you know your hands are going to freeze up and, and you're going to not be able to breathe and it just was a lot uh, every night to carry and then I sound like shit I'm singing awfully and I remember like I've never been a person who understood suicide like uh, like mm-hmm. it made no sense to me I was like how does somebody get to a point where they would in their life and I remember there was a, a moment and it's it really scared me and jolted me into doing something about it but like i was at a hotel room in seattle and i was i just need to go to the vending machine to get a coke or snack or something and i was scared to leave my room because it was like i I just got to a point where i couldn't function yeah which was not who i was i used to be if you drop me off in china i'd find my way home and have a good time doing it yeah and now i can't even leave my hotel room because i'm afraid i'll i'll freak out and die Mm -hmm. and and it just hit me. I was like, this is exhausting. And yeah. like emotionally, I don't know how to do this every day. Like, I don't know how long I could do this. And it was the first time and only time really in my life where I thought, you know, that there might be an easier way. And, and I say that just to not because I'm in any danger, but because at that moment I was, and, and, and I have lots of people come talk to me, um, about that or there's people a lot of people don't even know that i struggled with it mm-hmm. and and they just talk about it and 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 then some people do know that i struggled with it and they come and talk to me about it and it it feels like i wish i had had somebody at that time to talk to i didn't know that was i was ashamed of it i was embarrassed about it i didn't want anybody to know yeah. that i was felt like i was losing my mind so um i just kept it in so i, I um there are things you can do and 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 um I just encourage anybody who has issues like that to to uh, uh, look into it, whether it's therapy or medication or meditation or the health choices you make or whatever. There's a lot of a lot of positive things you can do to rewire your brain and and get to a better place because um, it's it's a really dark place to be when you're when you're just afraid to be. Yeah, two two thousand twelve was my f- the first panic attack that I acknowledged was a panic attack. Really, and. Um, I thought I was having a heart attack. I was out in public. Yeah. Ambulance came. They took my vitals and they're like, your vitals are perfect. Like you're totally fine. Yeah. 
you know, but it didn't feel like that to me. I couldn't feel my hands. Yeah. I had tunnel vision. Yeah. I couldn't breathe tightness in my chest. Um, and like you say, once you have it, you know, you can again. But the other thing that's nice about <laughs> nice about a pan- your first panic attack <laughs> is that you, you, you recognize the symptoms then. Right. So like I can feel one coming on now. Yeah. Usually, usually I can stave it off. The last time I had a serious one was about three weeks ago and it was the first one I'd had in years that I, that was like, oh shit, okay, I gotta remind myself that I'm not dying, I'm not having a heart attack. This is just, this is my anxiety yeah. reaching its boiling point, you know? Yeah, I, my, my son heartbreakingly dealt with it as a teenager. Yeah. He went to a hospital in an ambulance and same thing and and he it's it's he he told me that he's glad he got it out of the way young it breaks my heart to hear that but like wow but you know he learned the psychology learned what's going on physically learned what's going on mentally learns where the adrenaline's going and how your body's responding and why and he's coached himself up and i've watched him have panic attacks and and he'll be stiff as a board, stretched out, and he'll be like, "It's okay, Dad. It's okay. It's gonna pass." Wow. And I'm freaking out. Wow. He's white, and I'm like, "Yeah." But he has learned, and now he doesn't. They're they're not uh, um, a regular part of his his life anymore. So it's just really interesting what the mind can do. And and for me, just to bring it home, uh, the, the what I did is I went and I got a, a medication um, that that uh basically messes with your focus and your memory and so um you can't focus long enough to think about a panic attack and let it build like you're you you start thinking you know you have the feeling like oh there's a twinge of something i feel weird and and then that can build and it's really hard to shake it yeah but with this medicine you go i have a twinge of something oh look at the bird and and you've you're, you can't hold a thought for long enough to have... Like you take it when you feel it coming on or you take it regularly? No, it was you would take it daily. Yeah. And I took it for a month and I forgot to get the prescription refilled <laughs> because <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> shit. But at the end of the month, I go, I just had a month without a single panic attack. That's awesome. And, okay, it's not physical. It's all in my mind. Yeah. There's not something that I do. It's, it's in my mind. And so from that moment on, I just had this understanding that it was up here so if i could take care of up here and in the various ways i i was going to be a lot better off and 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 was not in as much danger as i had been yeah man i'm so glad that you got to that place and found that help um we always this has been such a pleasure man thank you we always end on the art that has you inspired at the moment so it could be a book you're reading or music you've been listening to or a TV show you're fired up about. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, high, highfalutin or anything. It could yeah, be yeah. like that you rediscovered the Spice Girls or whatever. I mean, whatever's got you fired up. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm reading a book called, um, uh, this, but see, I have the worst recall. So when people ask me like, what do you listen to? What's your favorite restaurant? Whatever. Like, I can't remember almost yeah. any of it. I'm reading, uh, uh, a gentleman in Moscow. I believe. Oh, I love that book. A more yeah. Yeah. I fucking love that book. I wrote a song about it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It makes me laugh. I wrote a song called Count Rostov about it. Oh, that's incredible. I love that book. Yeah. So I'm enjoying that right now. And um, uh, I I just got off the road with a guy named Brent Cobb. Yeah. And I really, really like his style and songwriting. He's very soulful. And and then he just produced a record on a guy named Adam Hood, uh, who I... I really like the record that they it's did so together. Good. Yeah, that record's so good. It's great. They got the Blackberry Smoke as the band, and 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 then Adam stuff, and then Brent producing, and it's just it's tight and and groovy and 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 just to the point and yeah. in a great way. And he sings his ass off on it. So yeah, that's, I'm I'm digging that right now. And um, uh, yeah, I'm kind of that's it. I've I've been. I've been working on a lot of my own stuff lately and sometimes I will um, just put music, other people's music away while I do my own thing. But uh, um, but I guess that's my, my latest uh, creative projects that, I, that I've been digging by other yeah. people. Those are great ones, man. Yeah, I, I, I definitely co-sign both of those. Um, 
Yeah, Gentleman Moscow hit me in a way, and, and I don't know if I can totally put my finger on what I loved about it so much, but it's just so beautifully written and so like whimsical and like yeah, just, I, I laugh regularly at yeah. the at the the language and the attitude of this main character. Yeah, and and, and I also just love authors that are so uh, erudite and yeah, and, yeah. and no. You know, it's like they're polymaths almost. Like they know they know so much about so many things. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Milan Kundera was always one of those for me, and and um, uh, that that just they they're just endlessly entertaining because they can take the chopping of a vegetable or the overthrow of a government, and and make them equally interesting and exciting. <laughs> yes, and uh, yes. Uh, that's a remarkable gift. Uh, yes, so. Well, I feel like you have a very similar gift, and I'm really, really grateful for the music that you make and for this time you've given me, man. This has been, I mean, I expected that it would be a delight. This has been more than I could have possibly asked. Thank oh, you so cool. much. Well, thanks for having me. I really enjoy your, your podcast. I listen to a couple of them. And, oh, cool. And, uh, very cool. Thank so you. It's good to, good to talk to you. Awesome. Hayes Carl, y'all. Thank you so much, Hayes. Thank all of you for listening. HayesCarl.com for all things Hayes Carl. The song you're hearing in this episode is Happy Hour, which I got to hear him play at the Concert Under the Stars series in Lake Wales, Florida at Bock Tower Gardens. You may have heard it on the Smash Television series Yellowstone. Uh, I want to take a second just to thank the folks behind the scenes. Hayes' management team was awesome, y'all. And this is just been the experience for me uh, over the years, uh, almost almost universally. I have dealt with good folks behind the scenes, publicists and managers, the people who uh, do a lot of work to make uh, press happen, to make uh, travel happen. And I'm just really thankful for his team. Uh, everybody was a pro. Everybody was was really nice. And I'm, I'm just so thankful for this opportunity. This was a dream guest. I mean, Hayes was someone I had on my short list when we first conceptualize the marinade and to get to sit down with him face to face and then see him play for the second time in a year was uh, just such a such a thrill marinadepodcast.com for all things the marinade including written pieces photography our online store and more our year in recap will be coming up there very soon follow us on instagram twitter and tiktok y'all subscribe and give a five-star rating on your podcast app tell a friend about the show these are all free ways to support the marinade we're thankful for any little bit y'all we have conversations with colin halliburton of the rose line uh, Langhorn Slim, who I recorded with at the Orange Blossom Review Festival, and I'll be speaking about quite a bit more coming up, y'all. I'm just so grateful for y'all supporting this marinade thing. If you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community, where for just a few bucks a month, as little as $2 a month, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content like our show Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making the marinade. Uh, I just started a new series that I'm uh, at least right now calling Inner Child. Just the other day, I posted a really fun conversation with Colin Halliburton where I asked him some silly questions like his favorite color, his favorite food, stuff like that. You know, we tend to get a little bit in the weeds about anxiety and depression and existence and all this stuff on, on the marinade, but... I like to get silly too. And I was just thinking about the old sports illustrated for kids and how like a kid would interview, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, athlete and ask him just kind of stuff kids want to know, you know, what's your favorite video game, that kind of stuff. So we're going to try to do that with, uh, artists going forward. Colin, and I had a really fun time and for as little as two bucks a month, you can access that. I also post what I'm getting down on, which is the examination of the art that is inspiring me at the moment over on Patreon, 
we sometimes get together for Patreon happy hours, which we're overdue for patreon.com slash marinate podcast. If you are interested, if you want to support the show financially, but you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, you can Venmo or PayPal us at the marinade. All the money goes right back into making the show. I'm saving up to cover some really cool stuff coming up. We, Jen Ross and I just covered the Orange Blossom Review Festival in Lake Wales. And we just made a lot of great connections. And Jen was doing incredible work. Jen Ross Photography. Follow her on all the socials if you aren't. JenRossPhotography.com as well. Um, she's just, she's always been great. She's taking it to a different level, y'all. And the, the photos that she took at Orange Blossom Review, all the, Margo Price and Allison Russell, all these folks were like, fawning over this understandably fawning over this wonderful work that jen was doing so make sure that you're following jen on the socials um if if you aren't already and then also we'll have some things uh both her photography and some words some thoughts i have about that experience going up on marinadepodcast.com and you know we're just kind of trying to position ourselves where we can cover more of these things because we have so much fun and i feel like we do really good work and i I just want to bring those experiences to y'all as much as possible. Y'all, thank you again. Hey, Carl, everybody. Are you kidding me? Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.